0: okay let us ask uh, the lord's blessing upon our time of study this evening so please uh, stand and open. call upon the Lord Heavenly Father thank you for giving to us uh, thy word thou hast preserved it throughout history uh, Lord thou hast uh, given to us a light uh, under our path and a lamp unto our feet uh, we praise thee our god for thy spirit that uh, is given to instruct us uh, and to um, give to us those holy affections and desires to to know thy truth and to give to us lord uh, the grace to be able to apply it in our lives bless the time of study this evening and the portion of thy word that we are considering In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So we're looking at John chapter 11. Start John chapter 11, and we'll be considering verses 1 through 6 this evening. Once again, John 11, verses 1 through 6. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. In John chapter 10, where we left off last study, you'll recall that Jesus had said that he and the Father were one, that is of the same nature, divine nature, and... uh, This brought him into a place where he was charged with uh, blasphemy because he had made that statement. And again, it was true that he was one nature with the Father, but the Jews uh, certainly didn't, the Jewish leaders didn't see it that way. But they understood what he was saying, uh, that he was claiming to be God. He was claiming to be of the same nature with the Father. And that's sadly what uh, many of the cults don't recognize today uh, that uh, Jesus was making that claim and, and declaring that to be true of himself. But they understood, the Jewish leaders understood that and Jesus defends that that he is the of the same nature with the Father and uh, they having taken up stones as he's defending himself. uh, There is a pause. And then uh, he seeks to leave that area. And it says in verse 39, chapter 10, verse 39, that they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. And so he eluded them uh, whether this was uh, miraculous and that he... Uh, vanished in their presence uh, whether he was able again in this situation to simply mix in with the crowd we're not told exactly how he was able to do so but they were not able to to take him and then it says that uh, he went to the Jordan River where uh, John the Baptist had first begun baptizing Uh, those when he began his ministry. And so Jesus resorted to that kind of um, rural wilderness area. And uh, there he himself was preaching and uh, teaching uh, at that time. And it says he uh, likewise uh, abode there and many believed on his name while he was there. So now he's a distance from Jerusalem and he receives word in chapter 11, verse 1. He receives word uh, about a friend of his, a dear friend of his. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. This is the first time that Lazarus is mentioned in the New Testament. Does not appear that uh, Lazarus was a poor man uh, uh, but appears that he had some wealth because he had a, a tomb that had been hewn out of stone. That wasn't a poor man's grave. That was, again uh, an indication that there was some wealth attached to their family. Uh, we also note that at the meal that was prepared for the Lord Jesus uh, that uh, there was a, a box an al- a box of very expensive perfume that was brought out and that this perfume was was uh, used to anoint the Lord Jesus by uh, by Mary and again that doesn't indicate that this was a A poor family. Uh, We don't know that they were exceedingly wealthy, but they were certainly not uh, a a poor, poverty-stricken family. Lazarus uh, is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Eleazar, and Lazarus would appear that uh, all of them, we don't seem to have any indication of any of them being married, so it appears that they lived together as one brother and two sisters that, uh, that were single. And they lived in the small town of Bethany, just a couple miles outside of Jerusalem. So this, just a brief little uh, sketch of what we know about Lazarus. In verse 2, we read, It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. So this is a a parenthetical note about Mary since uh, she had been mentioned in verse 1. So this is the Mary that anointed the Lord Jesus at his feet. And there, there are several, actually several women in the New Testament. We can get them confused perhaps, but several women... Uh, that uh, go by the name of Mary. There's Mary, of course, the mother of Jesus. Uh, There's Mary, the wife of Cleophas, uh, who was one of the Marys at the uh, crucifixion of the Lord Jesus in John 19.25. Of course, there's Mary Magdalene, uh, who was also there at the cross and is... A Mary that is specifically mentioned at the came to the tomb and uh, the Lord Jesus first appeared actually to Mary Magdalene um, and told her to go and tell the disciples that he was raised from the dead. Mary Magdalene, then there's this Mary, Mary the sister of Martha and the sister of Lazarus. So this is the Mary, as we read here, that anointed the Lord Jesus, uh, in view of his burial, uh, that was to occur that very week. Um, this is where we're now approaching the week of Christ's crucifixion, as we come to John chapter 11. And I think this parenthetical note is. Uh, very important for all of us, because it reminds us, it's just a a little parenthesis, but it is in the word of God what Mary did for the Lord Jesus. And uh, the whole world knows about it. And I think that it's an encouragement to us to reflect on that Jesus doesn't forget anything that is done in his name. That he remembers. Now we may not find our names written in this respect here in uh, the scripture, as Mary's name appears. But uh, nevertheless, um, the Lord is not forgetful when it comes to those things that that the, God's people have done uh, in in uh, serving him and serving one another in verse uh, I'm sorry Hebrews 6.10 reminds us of the same truth for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which ye have showed toward his name in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister and so uh, again let us take encouragement and comfort that what we do in the name of Christ, what we do to one another and for one another uh, is not forgotten by the lord uh, in, any more than Mary and what she did for the Lord uh, was forgotten. sometimes we can we can think uh um, you know that we have done so little for the Lord we can um, we can think. Uh, who's noticed who who cares uh, but jesus cares and jesus remembers and that's a great encouragement for us not to simply um, uh, get into that mindset uh, every kindness that we show uh, is remembered by the lord and there i believe is a reward associated with that as jesus says in in uh, uh, the Gospels, he says that even a cup of water that is that is offered in his name uh, will be rewarded, uh, even that act of kindness in his name. So uh, let us take encouragement uh, from uh, this brief little parenthetical note. It's not that, again, that uh, we do things in, uh, in order to Receive the reward, though that is, again, a blessing associated with doing kindness in the name of Christ to one another. But uh, we, we do so out of love for the Lord. Uh, we don't do so in order to earn a righteousness before God. Um, we cannot be more righteous than we are already before God because we are righteous in Christ is a perfect righteousness we can't add to that righteousness we can't become more righteous than Jesus but we can again serve him out of love and and that is again a part of a sanctification and growth in our life that is very very important uh, that uh, God is working in each of our lives as Christians he doesn't leave us at that state of conversion and we just remain at that level Um, no we we as God's people grow uh, in holiness like our savior Uh, but that holiness again is never perfect and that's why we need a savior uh, who cleanses us Uh, even our confessions of sin are not perfect confessions even our repentance is not perfect repentance and if it were not for the, the Lord Jesus interceding for us every moment uh, throughout the day, um, uh, we would have uh, only His wrath abiding upon us. But because He is interceding and applying His righteousness to all that we do, all that we say, He sees our motive, He sees our ten- intention. And uh, even if we fall short with regard to repentance, confession... Uh, our sanctification, uh, the the Lord is gracious uh, in that respect and receives it uh, as it is offered through Christ. Verse 3, John 11, verse 3. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Uh, sickness which we've all experienced and some of us more than others but sickness is one of the God's most important means for sanctifying us and growing us in faith and in patience and in perseverance and becoming more and more shaped and molded into the character of Jesus Christ you know, we may think, uh, Lord, couldn't, couldn't you have chosen a different means to sanctify me than through uh, illness, through sickness, and sometimes through terminal sickness. Uh, illness and death among Christians uh, also shows the world that we do not serve the Lord Jesus because we are promised a life free of illness. We serve the Lord Jesus. We follow him because he's the way, the truth, and the life. We don't follow him because we're going to, to have an easier life here upon earth as far as illness and, and some of the miseries of this life. That's not uh, why we come to Christ. We come to the Lord Jesus because uh, he is alone, Savior. There is no forgiveness of sin outside of Jesus Christ. There is no no life, true and everlasting life, outside of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't free us from disease. It doesn't free us from illness. It doesn't free us from death. We're all going to, to die. But what it does free us from, it frees us from the curse associated with misery and illness and sickness. It free, Jesus frees us from the curse of death. In other words, these things that come into the life of a Christian are not sent as punishment, that God is showing us his retributive um, justice. God is not getting even with us as Christians when we suffer. He may be using it, and often uses our illness to to teach us, to train us, uh, to discipline us. But he is not he is not uh, pouring forth his wrath, uh, his vindictive wrath upon those who trust in him. Jesus bore all of that. Jesus bore the wrath of God for us, so that we are not now suffering that wrath uh, any longer. Uh, we don't need a purgatory uh, here upon the earth, uh, nor do we need a purgatory after death uh, because Jesus has purged us completely. That's what purgatory means, to, to purge. Uh, we've been purged. Uh, uh, Jesus, uh, in we read in Hebrews chapter 1, for example, about the purging of Jesus Christ. This doesn't this doesn't continue to happen. It doesn't happen, as I said, now, nor does it happen after death. <clears throat> Hebrews 1 1 and following, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand the majesty on high. When he had purged, that's again the tense of that particular verb, doesn't indicate it's ongoing, it's final, that he purged us of our sins uh, when he uh, died upon the cross. And so uh, what the Lord is now doing is sanctifying, he's growing us uh, yeah, we, we put off the old man. That's part of the growth. We put on more and more the new man to be shaped and molded into the character of Christ. So God's using those things in our lives. <clears throat> you remember uh, in the case of Job, that was the very reason cited by Satan um, to God. You just protected him, God, you just given him everything on a silver platter. No reason, or no wonder that he uh, serves you. Uh, and uh, God said to Satan, "Okay, take away what you want to take. Ha- take away. Uh, he's a faithful servant of mine. And again, uh, that's what the world. If if again, um, uh, the world is looking." and thinking that we only become Christians because we're promised uh, this, this uh, wonderful uh, disease-free, sick-free life, uh, we, we've got another thing to tell them, that that's not the case. We serve the Lord because, as I said, he's the way, the truth, and the life. Well, like Mary and Martha, uh, as they went first to the Lord Jesus, though they were separated by um, uh, at least a two-day journey, um, they sent for Jesus. They they went to him by by way of a messenger to inform Jesus that Lazarus was sick. And uh, it's very easy for us to simply... uh, Mm -hmm. Uh, when we become sick, our children become sick it's very easy for us simply to <clears throat> think in terms of what we can do um, to uh with by way of medication or supplements or rest you know to think of the natural types of things that the things that that are available to us in this life <clears throat> and then you know maybe somewhere along the line we think in terms of prayer. Uh, But uh, I think that what we should first think of is going to the Lord and uh, seeking His uh, help first and foremost. Now God can choose to heal without those medications or heal without the supplements and vitamins. he can choose to heal without. If he chooses without a surgery, he can choose to do whatever he wants to do. Doesn't mean we can't use those as as means, but he should be the first one to whom we repair. Should be God. Um, in Second Chronicles sixteen twelve, the Lord specifically mentions that. A good king, a righteous king, a uh, king Asa, uh, did not do that. In Second Chronicles sixteen twelve, says, "And Asa in the thirty and ninth year of his reign was diseased in his feet, until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease he sought not." To the Lord, but to the physicians. That's a warning to us. Um, though he was a good and, and a a believing king, a king that sought to establish um, reformation within Judah, he forgot the Lord. He sought simply the help of the physicians. And again, I think that we need to spend, perhaps all of us, spend more time thinking of praying as much as we uh, think in terms of all the remedies that we might avail ourselves of and ask the Lord to bless those remedies, certainly. Just like we ask him to bless the food, to the nourishment of our bodies. But let us not forget the importance of going to the Lord, seeking his face, He's the great healer. Um, in Psalm 103, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Where does healing come from? It's God that heals. Once we begin to think in terms of the doctor being our healer, our faith is completely misplaced. It's God that heals, whether he uses means or, of doing that and bringing the healing about or doesn't. It's God that heals. And their desperate message, that of Mary and Martha to Jesus, notice the appeal, is on the basis of Christ's love for Lazarus. Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Uh, they here uh, do not demand that Jesus appear and demand that Jesus Heal Lazarus. They rather present their very urgent need to Jesus, knowing that Jesus loves Lazarus. Uh, They don't appeal to Jesus on the basis of Lazarus' love for Jesus, but on the basis of Jesus' love for Lazarus. And so can we do likewise? That we appeal to Jesus for healing, for meeting of needs that we have because of his love for us. Because of his love for us. <clears throat> they knew that Jesus, if, because of his love for Lazarus, they knew that appealing to him, that he would do what was best for Lazarus. You see, that's always the test of our faith, is it not? Will Jesus always do, out of love, what is best for us, his people? Or will he sometimes not do what is best for us? If he truly loves us, and the scripture certainly makes no exception to that, if he truly loves us who trust in him, then he will always, not sometimes, not a majority of the time, he will always do what is best for us. And that love that Jesus has for his sheep, it never changes, it never never grows, it never increases, it never decreases. It is always the same from everlasting to everlasting. It cannot, it cannot grow. It is it is It isn't everlasting love that he has for us. Though our love for him uh, fluctuates, uh, his love for us never fluctuates. And so when we call out to him, uh, we can pray, Lord, on the basis of thy love for me as one of your own ch- children, one of those who trust you, and are leaning upon you, on the basis of your love for me. Hear me now as I call upon you. Just because we, we who trust in Jesus Christ alone for our eternal salvation, because we suffer uh, with um, mild illness with severe illness, with deathly illness, even with death itself, is no indication, again, that we are not loved by the Lord. There is always a reason, and it's hard, I know, for us to keep this in mind, but there is always a reason and a purpose for our afflictions in this life. The curse of suffering as we said earlier, has been removed so that the afflictions, the miseries that we suffer are not God getting even with us. They are always there to teach us and train us in Christ. Paul prayed three times in Second Corinthians 12, 7 through 10 that the thorn in the flesh would be removed from him. And the Lord said, My grace is sufficient for thee. In First Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, uh, Paul told Timothy uh, to take a little wine for his stomach problems. Instead of praying for him, I'm praying that he, again, here's an apostle uh, who certainly had the gift of healing, uh, but he tells him, you know, rather than, you know, uh, prays, uh that God would heal him, which uh, I, I think that... Uh, uh, an apostle certainly had the ability to do uh, in various circumstances and situations. We see that uh, even those who were uh, used mightily of the Lord suffered illness, they were sick. Um, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse 20, we read that. <clears throat> Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Miletum sick. Paul says he left Trophimus, one of the um, fellow missionaries with Paul, he left him at Ephesus, or Miletum sick. Why didn't he heal him? <laughs> you know, again, uh, here's an apostle who... Um, had uh, amazing gifts and was mightily used to heal uh, the sick, but he, again, it's not God's, it's not God's will uh, that all of us uh, be healed of the afflictions that we suffer for God's own purpose, God's, uh, God's ordained purposes. And that's what we read when we come to verse 4, John eleven four. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. God grant us the grace to be able to say with Jesus that this illness, and even the death of loved ones is for the glory of God. That the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Jesus was not saying here that Lazarus would not die soon or that he would not finally die, but rather what Jesus is saying when he says this sickness is not into death, He's rather saying that the divine purpose of this illness uh, was not his death. The end of this is not his death. Because, again, though he was to die, uh, there was a purpose in that so that the Lord would be glorified even through the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead. reminds us, of what the Lord said in back in John chapter 9 <clears throat> this man that was born blind and the disciples asked who sinned, his parents or the man himself and Jesus said in John 9, 3 neither hath this man sinned nor his parents but that the works of God should be made manifest in him that God's works God's mighty works and God's mighty works might come by way of healing us, delivering us, taking us out of that affliction altogether. Or God's mighty works might be demonstrating, uh, demonstrated in giving us the grace to endure, to persevere through suffering, through affliction, through trial, where we don't cast away our faith, but that we maintain, even in the midst of of. Uh, suffering, but Jesus knows he loves me and he knows what's best for me. He knows what's best for my children. And so there was a divine plan that was being realized in this deathly illness that came upon Lazarus. And the end of the illness was not the death of Lazarus, but rather his life. And that, as I said, is true of all Christians. The end of all that we suffer is life. Uh, whether life by way of healing in this, in this world or everlasting life. It is, it is with that that we don't simply look at the afflictions, the trials, even death itself as the end. That's not the end. The end and the purpose and the design of God is our life. That is to bring forth life within us even in the midst of death to bring to use us in our own death and if any of us have been close to loved ones have been able to to watch their, their last few um, hours, their last few minutes to be there even when they take their last breath. Uh, it really impresses uh, I think it should impress us Uh, I want when I take my last breath I want that to be a dying testimony of the life of Jesus Christ that I leave with others and so again there is a purpose uh, even in death and it's not the purpose is and the end is not death itself but is life Verse five. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Here we see the Lord Jesus. It very clearly says here that he that he loved them, <clears throat> uh, uh, even though they, you know, particularly we know that Martha and Mary were quite different one from another. Um, uh, Mary, in the Gospel account, is uh, at the feet of Jesus listening to him uh, teach uh, when they invite him over to their home. Martha is very busy serving and uh, making sure everything is, uh, is in order, uh, that everything is just uh, going as it ought to go. And so here you have two quite different personalities And yet it says Jesus loved them. Uh, He didn't love them because they had this type of a personality as opposed to that one. Uh, Every personality that God gives to us is is God-given. And we can either use that personality to glorify God or we can use that personality to glorify ourselves, bring shame upon the Lord. And so we do all have... And God has given us those different personalities because, again, if we were all exactly alike, uh, we we wouldn't have the different gifts uh, to be able to complement the body of Jesus Christ. And so uh, the important thing, again, I think to notice here, uh, though they had different gifts and different graces, Jesus loved them. He laid down his life. For Lazarus, he laid down his life for Mary and for Martha. Uh, and that, that's the great evidence of faith that Jesus lives for, uh, leaves for us, each one. Love as I have loved you, John fifteen twelve. That's the great example. As I have loved you, so lo- love one another. And again, um, Jesus loves us. Though we are sinners, though our confessions, our repentance, our forgiveness is far from perfect, um, even in coming to him. And yet he loves us and he draws us unto himself. That's where we must, again, Jesus laid aside all his rights, as it were, in coming to leaving the glory of heaven, he laid aside his rights and willingly came to offer his life as a loving sacrifice. What are we willing to give up? What rights are we willing to lay aside in order to love one another? And then verse 6, John eleven six. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Now that is a very striking verse. Jesus, in verse 5, the previous verse, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Verse 6. When he heard, therefore, that Lazarus was sick, He didn't get up immediately and make a a, a dash to be there with Lazarus. He stayed two more days where he was. And we say, how is that showing any love? You just said that Lazarus was loved by the Lord Jesus. Instead of immediately heading to Lazarus in order to heal him, he stays there. And this delay was not accidental. It was even intentional that he stayed there. There remains two more days. In fact, Jesus, upon hearing it, that Lazarus was sick, he could have simply spoken the word. He didn't even need to be there. He didn't have to put his hand upon Lazarus. He didn't have to be within a certain geographical distance to heal Lazarus. He could have just said, Lazarus, be healed before he died. He certainly could have left immediately and arrived before Lazarus died. So what we're saying here is Jesus could have prevented their anguish over the loss of their brother had he chosen to do so. But he didn't choose to do so. Why? Why would the Lord Jesus want or allow the pain and the sorrow of Mary and Martha... Again, according to Jesus, it was for the glory of God, for the glory of God. Now, I know that's hard for all of us, especially when we're going through that. Or even the loss, the death of a loved one, death of a child, a loved one, someone very close to us, someone who's, who's suffering with a, a, you know, some type of a terminal illness. Uh, It's very, very hard for us as humans to see what God's purpose and how this glorifies God. But again, we don't have to understand all of the reasons why. What we need to realize is that God says, Jesus says, it's for the glory of God. And Jesus can't lie. And that's what faith is all about, is taking God at his word, not because we fully understand why. And all of our whys are answered, but because he says so, and because he cannot lie, because he is the way, the truth, and life, that we say, in spite of my own pain and suffering, at seeing someone else suffer, the anguish I'm going through as this loved one is suffering, I'm going to, by God's grace, trust him. I'm going to trust him that this is for his glory. You see, we can look back from our present frame of reference and see God's purpose very clearly uh, as it concerns um, Lazarus and Mary and Martha uh, because uh, we can see that... Jesus allowed and permitted Lazarus to die so that he might be raised from the dead. So we can look back and say well, of course, you know, that's uh, we can see the end of that. We can we can understand and see the good purpose of, uh, that came out of that. Uh, you know, someone's resurrection. Um, but yet, Look at the suffering of Mary and Martha. Uh, Even though uh, that was the the end of that, they still still went through that time of suffering on on their own part. But what about the suffering that does not lead, in our present circumstances, what about the suffering that does not lead to healing? or being raised from the dead. What about those circumstances? What about those situations? There's no less divine purpose in that than there is in the resurrection of Lazarus. It's not as though God uh, has a bigger purpose with Lazarus than he does in those saints who suffer for Christ the martyrs of, for Jesus Christ uh, who have laid down their lives for him, have undergone torture for the sake of Christ. It's not that he had more of a divine purpose for the ones that he delivered out of that than he did for those who endured it. There was a divine purpose that he might be glorified in all of those circumstances. The, the martyrdom of Stephen... God didn't deliver Stephen from being uh, martyred, being killed. In the uh, faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, in the first, uh, not in the first, but in the latter part of the chapter, it talks about all of these marvelous, miraculous deliverances on the part of God for his people. Delivering them out of the flames like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Delivering them out of the, from the lions then like Daniel. But then it goes on to say, but there were those, uh, besides the ones that he delivered out of those uh, situations, there were those who suffered greatly. In verses 33 through 40 well this is taking in the ones that he delivered who through faith subdued kingdoms wrought righteousness obtained promises stopped the mouths of lions quench the violence of fire escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness were made strong waxed valiant and fight think of David and Goliath uh, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. But then, it says, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment, they were stoned. They were sawn asunder were tempted, were slain with a sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And so again, God's purpose is equally made uh, is equally applies. Uh, to the one uh, t- as opposed to the other. And as I close, let me just uh, note this uh, as well. The, the two-day delay in going before Jesus uh, heads uh, to Bethany uh, to raise Lazarus from the dead, uh, th- that delay also has much to say to us um, because uh, it's the delays very often. We have called upon the Lord. We've called upon God time and time again. We've prayed. We've gotten others to pray with us. Uh, but the delays, the waiting, the waiting... And uh, sometimes, again, the waiting is not doesn't have as severe consequences as someone dying, as in this case. But still, waiting um, for the Lord uh, to come with the with the things for which we've requested from Him, uh, we're tempted when we have to wait. We're tempted to say, "Lord, don't you hear me?" Lord, uh, uh, this isn't uh, showing me love, your love, by making me wait in this this very dire circumstance and situation. Um, I've prayed and prayed that the, such and such a person's heart would be changed, and, and there's no change. Uh, I've prayed for um, a healing. I've prayed for my marriage. I've prayed for um, the salvation of a coworker. worker Whatever it may be, we can... Uh, the healing of a relationship. Uh, And we have prayed, and there's delay, and there's waiting. But uh, we need to, again, realize, just as Christ's waiting here was not a lack of love on his part, uh, so when we have to wait, it's not a lack of love for us either. Uh, He has a reason, he has a purpose for those delays. He's not forgotten you. Uh, he has something, I, I submit to you, He has something better for you in the delay than if He had immediately brought about exactly what you asked for. Something much better. And that's that we learn to trust Him in the delays. We learn to look to Him we learn even if, if God gave us everything that we asked immediately, and we had to wait for nothing, think about how that would how that would not teach your children if you gave to them everything they asked for immediately when they asked for it. Is that going to teach your children patience? Is that going to build their character? Is that going to? Stretch them, strengthen them to give them everything they ask for right then and there. God knows what's best. And He does give to us many times that for which we ask pretty quickly. And praise God when He does. But He also causes us to wait. He sends delays because He loves us and He knows how those delays build character in our lives. And so let us be careful not to judge God, not to judge his love, not to judge his mercy, not to ju- judge his wisdom, not to judge his justice, fairness by his delays. When he doesn't relieve us immediately, when he does not Take away the pain, the heartache, the suffering immediately. Let us again remember, he is perfecting us. He's perfecting us out of his own love for us. Okay, let's uh, stand in prayer. We thank thee, our Lord, that thou art all-wise and thy delays and even the, uh, the suffering that we endure comes from a God who loves us with an everlasting love, a God who is teaching us constantly in the school of Christ and using various means to do so uh, in our life not only teaching us from thy word, but teaching us from our experience and from the experience of others. Lord, uh, we confess we are, we are dull of hearing. Uh, we are slow learners. And that's the reason why we have very often in our lives to go through the same lessons because we are slow the lord we pray that thou would uh, give to us the mind of christ help us lord to see that that uh, as jesus here loved lazarus and mary and martha and in the midst of that love he showed them that love even in his delay and even in allowing the anguish that came upon mary and martha that was out of his love for them. And so help us, our Lord, to understand thy great love for us uh, in a similar way. That is not a sign of thy hatred for us as, as we l- trust thee, as we, as we believe uh, in, in, in the Lord Jesus as our only righteousness. But it is a, it is a sign of thy love And so, God, we pray that Thou would uh, make these uh, truths and these lessons uh, uh, very real uh, in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Are there any uh, questions uh, from the study this evening? Okay, all right. Thank you all for joining us.